Blog Talk Radio. Productions and Sportsbeat Radio. This is Sportsbeat, a provocative, insightful, informative, and educational show that we hope will educate the sports listener to the specific of sport. With interviews, analysis, and a comprehensive look at the topics we feel will be appealing to the listener. And with that said, we're not just your average call-in, same subject, same question over and over sports radio. But we like to think of ourselves as informative and educational radio. So why not sit back and for the next 30 minutes or so, we hope you'll find the program informative, educational, and above all, enjoyable. And with that said and done, this is Sports Beat, and we're coming at you live. And I'm your host, John Spoolis. Well, everybody, welcome to this Monday, the last Monday of February 26th, 2020. 24 and thanks so much for joining us on yet another segment of sports beat radio talking sports and i don't know if you could hear uh the audio very well that we just played but that was bill campbell who uh i tried to interview several years ago bill campbell was the voice of the philadelphia warriors they were called the warriors then now they are uh the golden state warriors and the Philadelphia 76ers are a separate entity. They came uh, after the Warriors went west. So that uh, footage that you just heard, and our show today is about Wilt Chamberlain's 100-point game. And you heard the great um, Bill Campbell, who, uh, as I said, I tried to interview, and he passed away not long before we could do the interview, but he was... Uh, the voice of the Sixers for a long time. He was the voice of the Warriors. Uh, unfortunately, there is no tape of the game and only uh, a very small section of audio. And you heard that was the original broadcast on March 2nd, 1962 at the Hershey Arena. It's still there. Uh, they play minor league hockey there and uh, some other venues. And if you go to Hershey uh, Park, you will see it. It looks like a marine barracks. It has that... Uh, rounded roof and in that building Wilt Chamberlain probably uh, created the greatest record of all time and that is the 100 point game and you know there's a lot of pros and cons about did he really score 100 uh, you know what's this what's that and 
you know, the game certainly has changed now. Uh, one of the reasons that the game was in Hershey is because the NBA was trying to uh, get more fans. It was not a spectacular league in the early 60s. Uh, it is the youngest sport of the four major sports, basketball. They didn't start playing until the late 40s. And uh, the NBA wanted to get recognition, so they kind of went around different towns to play. And uh, there were only about 4,100 people at that game that, that night. And there's a lot of people that said they were there, but uh, there wasn't really that many. There's no uh, broadcast of it other than what we just uh, allowed you to hear. Hopefully you could hear uh, the great Bill Campbell as uh, kind of goes down in history with some of the other great calls, uh, you know, with the uh, miracle on ice on 1980 when our Olympic team beat the Russians, uh, you know, it goes down with uh, some of the great calls, uh, you know, Mel Allen and all the other great uh, voices, the Heidi game with Kirk Gowdy, uh, you know, it will be uh, a thing that lives in uh, a lot of sports history. And I think it might be a record that may not be broken. You know, when you when you look at it, it, it just uh, it's just an astounding, um, you know, achievement. And so uh, we're going to be talking about that today, and uh, looking at uh, you know what happened and so forth uh, in that game. And uh, it was a the game uh, with the Knicks, who were not a very good team at the time, and it was an extraordinary. Uh, Total, it was 169 to 147. The Warriors beat uh, the uh, uh, New York Knicks. And uh, that famous photo of uh, Wilt Chamberlain holding a piece of paper with 100 on it. We have that on our uh, site there. So we're going to talk a little bit about it and, uh, you know, five things that uh, most people don't know about that. 100-point game. He was called the Big Dipper. You heard uh, Bill Campbell call him that. And he didn't have the ability to use the 100, you know, uh, emoji uh, that they use now on March 2nd, 1962. So he had to settle for a simple piece of paper to illustrate his level of dominance that night. The Big Dipper, he dropped 100 points in 48 minutes of work as the Warriors defeated the Knicks and leading the Warriors to that 169-147 victory. He broke his own single-game scoring record of 78 points set on December 8, 1961 against the Lakers, a game that included multiple overtime periods. And only one player has even eclipsed the 80-point threshold since uh, Chamberlain's historic night, and that was uh, Kobe Bryant, of course, the late Kobe Bryant, who uh, had scored 81 against the Raptors on January 22nd, uh, 2006. So aside from the fact that Chamberlain hit triple digits, what do you really know about that game? Well, let's go back 60-plus years. It's coming up, actually, on uh, Saturday. This Saturday, the 2nd, uh, it will be quite a, uh, uh, a situation for uh, this uh, great record. Uh, you know, some 60 years uh, has passed. And so Will Chamberlain's stat line was insane, even beyond the 100 points. He finished with 100 points on 36 of 63 shooting from the field, 57.1 average, 28 of 32 shooting from the free throw. That's 87.5. Will Chamberlain was one of the worst free throw shooters in the league. He had that underhand uh, shot 
uh, for the free throw, uh, along with Rick Barry and some of the other players who did that. Keep in mind, Chamberlain shot 51% from the line for his career. So hitting nearly 90% of his free throws in one game is some kind of anomaly. So you miss only uh, one extra free throw, and he's stuck on 99. That's not impressive at all. So along with all the buckets, Chamberlain also grabbed 25 rebounds and found time to dish out two assists. And the NBA did not record blocks until the 73-74 season, so it's likely he also had a few of those. And Chamberlain might have posted a 100-point triple-double. Who knows? So this was the perfect matchup for Chamberlain to score 100 points. All the pieces fell perfectly into place. The Knicks finished as the worst team in the Eastern Division that year, and they didn't have their full front court to challenge Chamberlain in the, in the lane. So New York starting center Phil Jordan was out with the flu, though it may have been something else keeping him on the sidelines. Who knows? He may not have wanted to face Chamberlain. An inside scoop was that he was hung over. And so uh, Daryl Imhoff, the man who took Jordan's spot in the starting line. Imhoff struggled with foul trouble throughout the game in leaving a 6'9 rookie Cleveland Buckner to battle Chamberlain. As everyone now knows, that didn't go well. And let's at least give Buckner some credit for scoring 33 points on his own. He just happened to come up 67 points short uh, against Chamberlain. So the Warriors started force-feeding Wilt Chamberlain once they realized 100 points was possible. He scored 41 points in the first half, not all that surprising considering he averaged 50.4 points per game over the entire season. Chamberlain routinely went off for 50 or 60 points throughout his career, but this one felt different, especially when the crowd got behind the chase for 100. Here's some of the quotes. It said, he scored 23 points in the first quarter and had 41 by halftime, then tallied 28 in the third quarter when the fans began to chant, give it to Wilt, give it to Wilt. You can actually hear that faintly in the background toward the uh, end of the game. And that's exactly what the Warriors did, feeding Chamberlain at every opportunity in the fourth quarter. The Knicks tried fouling other Philadelphia players to keep the ball away from Chamberlain, but the Warriors countered by committing fouls of their own to get the ball back. Chamberlain took a pass from Warriors guard Joe Rucklick, who played only eight minutes off the bench and scored his final two points with 46 seconds left in the delight of the fans and the attendance. And the 100-point game was played, as we said, in Hershey, Pennsylvania, not uh, Philadelphia or New York. The Warriors were playing a home game, but the team had to travel to Hershey Arena. Back in those days, as I said, the NBA was working to gain a larger audience, and without the benefit of a massive TV deal, teams had to reach the fans directly. So the neutral site games were not all that uncommon, but the schedule did present a challenge for players. There were no hotels uh, for them to go to or stay and because we didn't do those kinds of things in those days. That's what Chamberlain said. He said, we went straight to the arena where we had to wait around for five or six hours before the game. But it happened to be in this arena, and they had a shooting gallery, old Penny Arcade. So some of the guys went there, and I started shooting rifles and so forth. And he said, I couldn't miss anything. So if there were ever a clue that I was going to have a hot day, this was definitely the clue. So the only thing more absurd than Wilt Chamberlain's 100-point game was his stat line for the entire 61-62 season. Just take a moment and think about this. 50.4 points and 25.7 rebounds per game on 50.6% shooting from the field and 61.3% from the line. That was a career high, by the way. And Chamberlain attempted nearly 40 field goals and shot 17 free throws per game. But that's not really the best part of it. Chamberlain's averaged 48.5 minutes per game. 
And if you're scratching your head now, yes, NBA games are only 48 minutes long. However, the Warriors also played 10 overtime periods that season, and Chamberlain logged 3,882 of a possible uh, 3,890 minutes. So it's safe to say we won't see any NBA players eclipsing those season numbers anytime soon. And, you know, it was interesting because when you look at the, at the, at the game, uh, a lot of people were saying, uh, you always have critics, and they were saying, well, you know, they just kept giving the ball to Chamberlain. Well, why not? And they gave the ball to Chamberlain most of the time anyway because nobody in that league could stop him. A perfect example uh, of Wilt Chamberlain's greatness, Michael Jordan had 50-point games over a period of nine years. Uh, 50 games where he scored over 50, uh, let, me, let me correct that, 50 games where he scored over 50 points in the game. Will Chamberlain did that in one season. And it's always amazing to me when we, when we speak of Will Chamberlain. Uh, my feeling, and I, I go back in basketball to probably 64 or 5, somewhere in there, uh, where he was still, him and uh, Bill Russell were great dominant forces in the league. I still think he was the greatest player of all time. I don't really care what people think about the modern player of Michael Jordan and Kobe. And they were all great, but uh, it was a different game then. You know, I mean, it was physical. It was tough. You had your head handed to you. It reminded me a little bit of the 90s in the NBA. Guys like Charles Oakley, you know, you come down the, the lane with him and he'd take your head off. It's not that kind of a game anymore. It's a three-point circus. And, you know, the Celtics, who... Uh, were eliminated, uh, you know, at one point in the playoffs. Live and die by the three. That's what uh, lost the, the uh, championship for them. But in those days, it was it was uh, it was physical, hard defense. Uh, you could probably name as many defensive players as you could offensive players. I don't know that you, most people could could name three defensive great players today. You certainly could name quite a few offensive players and probably take you 15 minutes to finish because there is no defense. And I've spoken to some former NBA players who can't watch the game anymore because it's not the same game that they played. You know, there's uh, some interesting things about that game, too. There's an alleged footage of, uh, of the game, and uh, it's, it's very blurry. It's, it's made to look uh, like... It actually happened, and uh, what happened was when you look at it, uh, they they really don't have a close up of Wilt, but he's wearing a San Francisco uh, jersey. Now the Warriors were the Philadelphia Warriors, and he was wearing a, a jersey that was white, which had Phila on the front with his number thirteen. So that footage is actually bogus. That's not uh, the real game. People are trying to pass it off. Anything to make money. You know, we've spoken about money many, many, many times on Sportsbeat Radio and how it bastardizes everybody. You know, there's supposedly no f- actual footage of Super Bowl One for the whole game. And then uh, somebody came forth. I th- there are scattered parts of it. I think there's the, f- the fourth quarter, a little bit of the third quarter. But in those days, um, they used analog tape. They didn't use digital like they do today, and so the tape was expensive. So they would erase stuff and reuse the, the tape, and that's what happened to Super Bowl One. 
So somebody found, uh, I don't remember who it was, somebody in Pennsylvania's father actually taped it somehow. This is before uh, tape recorders because that game was in 1967. They didn't have uh, recorders, uh, VCRs, until probably early 80s, somewhere in there, maybe late 70s. So there's no way they could have taped it that way. But anyway, they had the footage of Super Bowl One and um, uh, this person who had it in the attic, uh, you know, tried to sell it. The NFL claimed it was theirs. Uh, I don't know what the legality is because there were two leagues then, the AFL and the NFL. They didn't merge until 1970 with Super Bowl IV's conclusion. So this uh, particular tape that they have shows uh, Chamberlain wearing a San Francisco jersey. So we, we know it's bogus and it's all grainy and it's made to look like, a, you know, in the early 60s when they, uh, they actually televised games. So, you know, the interesting thing about the, uh, the whole situation uh, with this great 100-point game is that it probably will not uh, happen again. Now, you know, we looked at... Uh, the most likely situation. Um, there was a kid named Chris Taylor, I believe he was. He was a high school player who scored 138 points. I believe we have a photo of him in our slideshow. Um, I don't remember exactly where he was, but uh, he supposedly scored 138 points in a game, which is <laughs> even more bizarre. But uh, this is the professional league in the NBA. And so I think, you know, the, uh, the attributes of Will Chamberlain uh, are more impressive. Uh, but there are pl plenty of reasons for the surge in, in spectacular scoring. You know, one of them is the three-point play. Now, you know, when you look at the three-pointer and you look at some of the players of the past, Elgin Baylor, Oscar Robertson, um, you know, you look at one of the great players that I've ever seen, the great Pete Maravich, Pistol Pete, they didn't have the three-pointer then. And had they had it, even with Allen Iverson, uh, you know, Iverson, I believe, was a 33-point-per-game scorer. He probably would have had 45, maybe more. Maravich probably would have had a lot more. And who knows what Elgin Baylor and Jerry West and Oscar Robertson and all these other great, Dave Bing, who played for the Pistons for years, uh, Lanier of the Pistons, Bob Lanier out of uh, St. Bonaventure. So, you know, when you look at what has transpired over the last 20 years in the NBA, we've had some of the great shooters in the sport. You know, you look at Larry Bird, who was sensational, Kobe Bryant, Michael, uh, you know, and some of those other great scorers that came off the bench downtown, Freddie Brown, you remember him from the Seattle Supersonics, instant uh, Gus Johnson, Sick Jack Sigma. Um, you know, it goes on and on. I mean, it, uh, Nate Thurman, all these uh, great, uh, you know, players uh, over the years uh, have come close. Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant came close. Uh, Devin Booker a few years ago scored 70 against the Celtics at the TD Center in Boston in a losing effort when the Suns were really uh, all about him and really didn't have anybody else. They were most of the, mostly a doormat team. And so when you look at it, uh, through this great history of NBA scores, nobody certainly has come close. Even if you score 85, you're still short by quite a few points. And I think that's the interesting thing about this 100-point game and Wilt Chamberlain and, and what he was able to do. And so, you know, the, the players, Luck and Bill and, 
and Hal Greer and some of these other players that uh, were on the floor that day in Hershey realized what was happening. And so they kept feeding him the ball. And, uh, you know, you couldn't stop Chamberlain anyway. And one of the attributes of the game, I think, that uh, really epitomized how Will Chamberlain was able to uh, grant that 100-point game is that he was so good on the foul line. Even he said after, you know, he said, I, I couldn't miss on the foul line. He was incredible for a guy who was a 51% free throw shooter. Not very good at all. But that day, uh, he was uh, extraordinary, hitting 81% of his foul uh, free throws. And there wasn't anyone stronger in the NBA than Will Chamberlain. Even uh, Bill Russell had said many times, he said, you know, it was, I was exhausted after I played Will Chamberlain. It was, uh, and, and, and many times he couldn't stop him either. I mean, you know, you couldn't double-team him. And the Knicks, of all teams, were probably, as I said earlier, the perfect scenario for the Warriors because they were a doormat team then, mostly a laughing stock team. They didn't have their center. He said he had the flu, but a lot of people thought that he didn't want to face Chamberlain. And they really didn't have much of a defense as it was, so it was the perfect time uh, for Wilt Chamberlain to do you know, what he had done. And uh, as I said, I, I don't think it's going to be uh, in all likelihood broken. It may be a record that, uh, that may be broken along with that famous picture of him in his white jersey holding up that piece of paper that says 100. So it's over 60 years, the greatest scoring effort in the NBA, 36 field goals, 28 free throws, 100 points for Chamberlain, and then 169-147 went in a game played before about 4,100. And that might be an exaggeration. The NBA didn't get a lot of uh, visibility in those days. That's why they moved around and uh, cities around uh, their principal city. Might be the closest thing the NBA has to a single game record that will never be broken. So, you know, there's only a few people actually remember the number involved. You know, Joe DiMaggio's 56 game hitting streak, the four minute mile, I remember when that happened. And then, of course, you have Will Chamberlain's. Uh, Exactly 60-some years ago, the legendary Philadelphia Warriors Center scored 100 points in the game. March 2nd, coming up this coming Saturday, 1962. It's still the signature record in basketball. Also helped launch the legend of Wilt, superstar who would help establish the NBA at a time when its future seemed wobbly. You know, he was 7-1. He had to be even bigger in the way he told his stories, you know, uh, Will Chamberlain had this thing about 20, the number 20,000. And uh, he said one time, and he did a lot of interviews, he was supposedly a great guy, uh, very caring uh, individual, very helpful. And uh, uh, he had mentioned one time that he slept with 20,000 women. But he also, throughout his interviews on various uh, venues, used 20,000 quite often. You know, uh, I passed 20,000 cars on my way here. There's 20,000 stars uh, that I looked at last night. Uh, you know, there's 20,000 different uh, drinks that I like. You know, so I, I think it was just basically a figure of speech. Who knows? But when he died, when Wilt died, 
two numbers became the shorthand summary of his life, 20,000 and 100, you know, and that was the 20,000 that I mentioned that he always talked about in the 100-point game. So, we, you know, we mentioned uh, that Eddie Gottlieb, was the owner of the Philadelphia Warriors, although they called him Gotti, as he was known, was round. His estimates for crowd totals never were because they seemed more realistic. But the crowd estimate really was about 41-24, and that did not include the kids who snuck into the arena, you know, in those days in the usual way. Um, And a few things happened off the court that allowed him to reach his unsurpassed peak of 100 points. Most significantly, perhaps, the New York Knicks had two centers, as we said, 6-10, uh, one, Darryl uh, Imhoff, he was a rookie, and the other more experienced player was Phil Jordan. So Phil Jordan didn't play that night because he'd gone on a late-night bender the night before and was vomiting in the hotel room in Harrisburg. So that meant that Will Chamberlain was matched against Darryl Imhoff. And Imhoff com- uh, committed six fouls and therefore fouled out of the game after just 20 minutes. A basketball game, as you know, is 48, and that means for 28 minutes of that game in Hershey, the tallest player the Knicks had was 6'8", Cleveland Buckner. And he was reed thin. He certainly wasn't any match for the muscular Wilt Chamberlain. And so when Wilt hits the 100 points, all hell breaks loose on the court. The kids of the Chocolate Factory workers in Hershey had it lined up three and four deep around the court waiting for the moment. The ushers stepped aside, and they were overrun by the kids who ran out the court to congratulate Wilt. And the game, as I said, it wasn't televised. It was a radio broadcast, and there are some recordings of the fourth quarter, some of which we just played. That was the actual, as I said earlier, the actual uh, Bill Campbell play-by-play of that game. But we don't have a complete audio or video record of this incredible game. And how does that change the relationship to the feat itself? Well, we have the fourth quarter play-by-play. That was WCAU sportscaster, as I said, Bill Campbell, and you hear him say, he made it, he made it, a dipper dunk. The fans are rushing the floor. You could hear him say that. Hopefully it's not too garbled in the beginning to listen to it. And it's a wonderful sports moment. There's something about radio that TV can't touch. It's launched into the imagination. You can't see it. Your imagination is triggered by it, though, and the game you know has been launched into sports mythology. It's one of the great athletic achievements in sports, and it's the statistical Everest. So Wilt's 100-point game also carries important symbolism. There was a quota in the NBA that owners in the league limited the number of opportunities for black players to just one or two per team initially, and then three or four. And what Wilt did was shatter that quota, the whole nation, uh, notion rather that the league would uh, be a white man's enclave, and not anymore. Wilt came with a body and an ego perfectly sculpted for dominating the game, and the ego was essential. Mr. Chamberlain had somewhat of an ego. And for a player to score 100 points in an NBA game, he must not only want to do it, he must on on a deeper level need to do it, to take an entire sport and bend it to his will to show that it could be done and only by him. And the number 100, there was a symbolic magic. In our culture, the number 100 is a century. It's a perfect score and a test score. Scoring 100 meant infinitely more than scoring, let's say, 97 or 103. 100 was the moment. And the game happens at a moment when the NBA's ascendance, dominance, is certainly not inevitable. And how does the night change the trajectory of the NBA? Well, Oscar Robertson, the great NBA star, NBA star, would later say that Wilt saved the league. And I think he's right. 
because it was not a certain future for the NBA. It wasn't uh, – no one knew if the NBA was going to be launched into the stratosphere like it is today as it has been in decades that followed. And fans wanted to see Wilt. They wanted to see the guy who scored 100 points. The great Boston Red Sox hitter Ted Williams used to say, when I walk down the street, I want people to point at me and say, there goes the greatest hitter that ever lived. And Wilt did not embrace the 100-point game for decades because he thought it fostered the notion that he was individualist, only in his own stats. But later in life, he realized that when he walked down the street, people would point to him and say, there goes that guy that scored 100 points. You know, one of the greatest sports achievements of all time. March 2nd, 1962, the great Wilt Chamberlain, in my view, the greatest player to ever play, scores 100 points in a 169-147 victory at the Hershey Arena in Hershey, Pennsylvania. What a moment. It may be something that we just won't see ever. Well, that'll about do it for our show today. Thanks so much for joining us on the story of the historic Wilt Chamberlain 100-point game on March 2nd, 1962 at the Hershey Arena against the New York Knicks, where he was 81% from the foul line. Uh, Just an incredible, incredible performance uh, by a man who dominated his sport. Sportsbeat's been a presentation of Mountain Meadow Productions and Sportsbeat Radio. And until next time, all of you have a great day and great sports. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll see you soon.